What's shaking? Hey, I'm Rick Jordan. Today, we're going all in. There we go. Rick, what's going on? Randall, what's shaking? Yeah, How are you doing? Living the dream, one small nightmare at a time. What about you? I like the background. You're, you're doing better than me. You in Florida? Yeah, I sure am, man. That's funny. I um, Yes, I am down here and in Florida, and it's... Uh, I'm making do rather than being in the studio. I, I was down by like where the, <laughs> I did one other today, one other show today. And I was down in, in this area where they showed me, I'm like, can I, I'm like, I need to rent a room because that's normally what I do. I've been to this hotel many times and I'm, I'm an ambassador with Marianne. I'm like, I, I always rent another room just for a night to do my shows, to go on TV, all that stuff. And like, dude, we're all sold out, but I got a quiet space for you. I'm going to show you a quiet space. <laughs> so he walks me down this escalator to like where buses drop off. He's like, nobody's going to be down here. Right. He's like, the, the conference is at the other end. So then I, I get down there today and I'm like, when he showed me, it's all quiet and everything. So when I'm down there today, it's also where the freaking employees come in, like the hotel employees back and forth. And then th there's this door where they go into like the, the back area of the hotel and it keeps slamming shut. So I'm actively muting on this thing. I'm like, son of a gun. <laughs> so I, I found a, I found a room that's part of the conference area that there's nobody in. And the door was just cracked open just a, a little bit. I'm like, I'm going in there. <laughs> I only just did this maybe like, like, I don't know, several months ago, we had like an earnings call. And it was the exact same thing. Be, we do like your earnings was going to publish on Thursday. So we always do the pre-record on Wednesday. So yeah. you know, you're reading a script, but it's got to be like super quiet and dialed in. And like, you, yep. you basically just say go. And then you read and each of our, you know, me, there's the three of us. And like each of our sections are like, I don't know, 20 minutes long. And so like, you're going <laughs> through it and I'm like, you know, 10 minutes in all of a sudden it's like, trying to find <laughs> some quiet place in the, the bowels of this hotel. I was like, can y'all just shut the fuck up, please? Yeah, no joke. So here's what we're doing. We're just starting into this already. We're going to use this. <laughs> the so what's shaking? I'm Rick Jordan. Today we're going all in and we already are. You heard part of our conversation. Randall is back, everybody. <laughs> You know, and I, um, <laughs> I'm so excited to have him back. We've been rescheduling and, and all this, other, but give you a little, go back after this episode and listen to the first one that, that Randall came on with me because he's the CEO of Funware, which is a, a publicly traded company in Austin, you know, has a, led over 40 angel investments, deployed over 60 million across 14 companies, venture capitalists. And that's actually what I think we're talking about today, isn't it? Because we didn't even get into that on the Man, last episode. I, I think I have a feeling we put us in a room, we could talk about anything, you know, all day long forever. So it's like, we can go wherever the conversation takes us. And first I got to ask, I know you're in Florida, I yeah. mean, all the rain, I mean, what, did you get hit by any of that? Not really. No, there, there was just one day where it was raining, maybe two hours. That's about it. And then, then everything else has been just, I mean, what you see behind you, if you're on YouTube, you can see, but it's just freaking blue skies, gorgeous, yeah, great weather. That's why everybody's yeah. going to Florida and Texas, man. I, I, you know, the pandemic, and we can talk about it around angel investing and venture. You know, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, when I, when I started angel investing, it was 2008. Uh, 2009 and Austin has always been a pretty cool tech town, but it, yeah. you know, it's, I call it a bootstrap city, you know? So, and, and I'm not saying that for anybody who does this, whether entrepreneur or investor, I'm not saying that's good or bad. The reality is in Austin, people are not building the same kind of companies that are building in Silicon Valley. 
at least historically. And so I would always get asked, you know, when's, when's Austin going to become like Silicon Valley? I'm like, well, never. I mean, you, it's impossible to replicate what made Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley. You know, it was born out of this idea of the gold rush. You know, you have this, this city and then obviously, you know, besides the taxes and I got my own reasons why I don't want to live in California, but it, I, I recognize that it's an attractive state for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Silicon Valley, gold rush kind of now growing into what happened with Stanford and all of these people, it was this reseeding effect. And so you had a couple big companies and then the engineers from those companies didn't want to move. So then they started companies and then it kind of just grows exponentially from there. Um, and that was before this kind of remote hybrid life, right? So everybody, you kind of need to go there to be in the flow, in the mix, in state. Um, and, and it just created this incredibly rich ecosystem. And I was like, can't, Austin can't compete with that. Nobody can. Pandemic changed a lot of stuff, man. It's kind of interesting. And, and I still think that that's hard to compete with, but you know, we're a global ecosystem now. And right on. You don't have to necessarily go where someone else is. And for the best entrepreneurs in the world, you go to them. You know, investors will go to you. And now there's all sorts of different kinds of fundraising that you can do. You can do bootstrap it still. You can do crowdfunding. You can do angel investing. You can do organized angel investing. You can do venture capital. You can do, you know, government loans. I mean, you know, hell, now you'd be an influencer or God forbid, jump on OnlyFans and use that to fund your business. I mean, hell, yeah, no joke. there's a million different ways to make money now. And there's a million different ways to get money to invest in your business sky's the limit and so it's really cool to see what's happening with both texas and florida because i think so much talent is now moving to those states um whether it's tax reasons whether it was because of the pandemic whether it's because of politics doesn't really matter good people find good people and now those good people can live where they want and still you know really swing for the fences and so i'm excited about you know where texas and florida are headed politics aside yeah cool places to live no doubt me too and you know this gets into one of the topics i wanted to talk about today especially about angel investing and really in the investing world anyways because we've seen this transition right from from pretty much money was everywhere to then the pandemic to then there was even more money everywhere because everybody was just dumping back into the economy. I mean, printing cash, right? And now the belts have been tightened back up again, but there's still some ways, like even with some of my acquisitions that I'm seeing, uh, I'm getting into bed with the family office, right? To help fund some of our acquisitions and they're excited and they came up with this new way to where there's these companies out there that are leveraging data to put the value of your data on your balance sheet as an asset and then lend you cash on a pretty simple term loan according yeah. to what that data is worth. You know, so now I, I've never looked at, I mean, as a cybersecurity services company, an IT services company, I've never even looked at our data as having a value to other people. And I'm not talking like personal information because I mean, that's what I'm in the business to protect, right? So that doesn't leak, not my customer data, but machine to machine data. So how many times computers check in, how many times computers talk to each other when there is a breach, how that, that hacker can move from one computer to another computer and how many endpoints it touches before it's actually stopped. That's all valuable. And I, it's cool because one, it has value which means I can leverage it with acquisitions so that there's uh, there's value in the companies that didn't even exist before to get the cash to even fund the acquisition to begin with. But then second, it's awesome because utilizing that data for those who would actually rent that data from me, 
can actually help provide better tools for this industry to stop this stuff from happening in the first place. It's a cool ecosystem, man. I love it. I love, I love, I love what you're doing. We, we riffed on this a lot last time. You know, there's, it's actually, you know, appropriate. So yesterday we just had a, uh, another patent uh, get allowed and, and it's all about geofence prediction technology. And, and it's yeah. funny because people, I was talking on an interview just, just before we got on um, with proactive and you know, chat GPT is all the rage right now. And, oh, yeah. and as, as human beings are inclined to do, um, we simplify things and we don't really like to dig too many layers. We just want our sound bite and we move on. You know, chat GPT is not sentient. It's not in any danger of becoming sentient, you know, and, and, that, and AI is a marketing term, right? It's, it's an exciting marketing term. It gets people, you know, excited, but what's it really doing? I mean, it's conversational AI. It's machine learning in my mind more than it is AI. If you put enough data together and you have really good algorithms and really good, you know, statistics on historical, you know, sentence structure, it can feel almost human, but it's really just machine learning. It's understanding how to predict the proper form of a sentence based on an input. And so data, you know, you don't have to know someone's blood type to really know what they might need or what they might want. And so we're doing basically experiential AI with our prediction technology, where it's like, all right, if you've done this and this and this, you might do this next. And if you do this next, then these things need to probably happen as well. And so how do you think through customer engagement and customer journeys based on, you know, who you are, where you are, where you've been, what you're doing and what's most important to you so that it feels like it's sentient, but it's really not. It's just predicting behavior based on zeros and ones. And I think that's, that's a really cool space to be in because, you know, and, and you're, you're 100% right. It's not about, I don't care what your social security number is. I just want to know if I can sell you a car or if I can sell you a new toothbrush or really cool sheets. Like, you know, the, the idea is not to, you know, people don't, don't need to be wearing tinfoil hats and, you know, throw their, their phone in a Faraday cage, right? It's like you, you, your data is still safe and it should be, but what, businesses really care about is just reaching you. I just want to get to you and I want to tell you something or, you know, to your point, I want insights from that data. You know, where was a breach? What's my customer doing now? How can we get better? How can we optimize? And I think that's a really cool space. that's just emerging right now. Yeah. It's, it's exciting, man. I'm even thinking, you know, outside of the tech space, because even the show as an example, right. I'm starting to get these ideas like there's, 350 episodes of all in for those who have been with the beginning thank you from being here from the beginning four years ago i'm sure there's a few that have stuck around right i mean it'd be top two percent of the world i appreciate you but uh, i'm as i look through the 350 episodes right when because you mentioned conversationally that's really what chat gpt is of course we know that yeah so it helps you have these things and everyone's like putting in so little information to be like hey write me a sentence for whatever and even i played around with it a year ago it's like write me 10 motivational quotes in the voice of tony robbins yeah you know and and it'll spit them out but now taking a look at like 350 episodes of this show it can actually be trained because if I fed it transcriptions mm-hmm. for all of these shows, it can actually learn the way that I speak yeah. and I phrase things yeah. so that it can then generate something of predictive text of a predictive text nature to write something in my own voice 
yeah. not the voice of somebody else. Cause now I've trained it. And that, that training is so important for this. And that's why we've just scratched the surface, man, is because yeah. people are just figuring out how to use this stuff now. And, and that's exciting too. I like the, you know, it, it's, there's a creative element to that that I think is, is, is cool. It's, it's, it's a sub bullet or a footnote, but I just think it's funny. I love what people come up with, you know, summarize Romeo and Juliet as if you were like a gangster rapper or something. Like, it's just, <laughs> yeah. I love the creativity and setting the prompts because like, you know, we're only as powerful as our inputs really. And so, you know, I, it's interesting. I've got a couple of friends who play a little bit more with chat GPT and it's, and it's nice to, you know, there's, there's problem solving, there's engineering that I see them doing, like, you know, they'll word something one way and they'd be like, well, that didn't really get me the result I want. What if I worded it this way? And there's still something to that too. You know, you're, 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 yes, you're hacking something, um, but you're still thinking through old school engineering, you know, what are my inputs? And then, how, you know, what is my hypothesis? And then what am I trying to get to? And how do I refine those inputs? Um, and I think that'll be important, you know, as we think through, you know, how do we set these systems in play? Um, and, and honestly, I don't know, for those of the people that have a small side story, because it's in the news now, a lot of people don't realize that Elon Musk founded, you know, OpenAI. And I know, right? <laughs> realize that, I mean, as if he hasn't founded enough, you know, massively successful things. Um, he was only on the board for, I think, three years and then stepped away and had some, some disagreements, but he founded it. And it was born out of an argument with Larry Page on what AI should be. I mean, people don't remember this. You know, Elon Musk said that, you know, true AI is just summoning the devil. And, and you know, there's there's it's only human hubris that we think we'll be able to control it and that we'll be able to, you know, put it in a box. It, it's designed to not be in a box. You can't put a human in a box. I mean, I guess you could, but you might go to jail. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, this I loved what he did. And this is important, maybe getting back to an angel investing and entrepreneurship and venture capital and everything else. You know, you're talking to another Titan of tech. That Titan of tech believes the, and this is what Larry Page said, because Larry Page is super cerebral and super creepy and socially awkward and very smart and very successful and can do whatever he wants. Um, sometimes he might steal your girl, but you know, Larry Page wanted sentient AI and Elon Musk is like, man, screw that. That's a terrible idea. I'm going to go compete with you and I'm going to go do it differently. You know, you, here's Google, you know, this massive company who by all, you know, by all measure would dominate this space, dominate search, has more data, more inputs than anyone else on the planet. And Elon says, nah, I can do this better. I'm going to go over here and does it better. Now Google's freaking out because every attempt it has tried to copy what chat GPT has delivered has failed miserably. And, you know, it goes to show you that it doesn't really matter how big a company is. It doesn't really matter what it's doing. Like if you've got a better idea, there's a path for you. And, and it doesn't, you don't have to find the white space where no one else is competing. Most likely that's a terrible idea anyways, because it doesn't, it means there's not a market. You know, find somebody doing something and say, I can do it better and then go do it and then persevere and stick with it. And, you know, you, there's, you, you'll find a way. Um, and so I think it's, it's just super exciting to see when people kind of take on the big dogs and you, know, you see this kind of success that they're having already. And, and then what do they do? They went out and got funding from other big dogs. And what did they do? They found the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And so, you know, Microsoft, Hey, let's get some money from them. You know, they, they have a, they have a dog in this fight. They lost the phone wars 
maybe the future is AI and they'll, they'll play heavily in that. So cool, cool stuff. Dude, no joke that you probably gave one of the best pieces of advice to any entrepreneur right there. And, and it's no joke because it's, if I could sum it up in one word, it's really modeling yeah. is what you're talking about, you know, cause it, it's important to see that there's very few opportunities that exist to where something hasn't been tried before. Absolutely. You know, so if, if there is that white space, you're I'm with you that there's probably no market for that. And when I say no market, it doesn't mean that it's a, it's a bad idea. It just means that people generally are not looking for that type of solution right now. And that that's the definition that there's no market is that there's no demand for what you're going to put out. It doesn't mean there's no need for what you want to put out. It just means there's no demand for it right now. So nobody's going to buy it, you know, which means nobody's going to invest in it. Yeah, so you shift into modeling being like, what are other people doing? This is all that I've done. This is the yeah. secret to how I've taken my company public is that I saw what others were doing. I'm like, same like Elon, you know, I'd, I'm grateful to, to be in that same circle as him, but I, you model people like that. I'm like, I can do it better. Yeah. And then that's when everyone is like the, the family offices and investors like, okay, I can see how you could do it better. Yep. You're taking what everybody else is doing right now, but you're doing it in a, in a way that's more efficient, more profitable, something that is fun that people can catch on to that. There's a demand for there's a market. All right, we'll jump on this train. I got to figure out what these names are, but I want to do, uh, what is it? I'm looking it up right now. The, the, the Samware brothers, um, which is it's a fascinating story in itself. And it's exactly what we're talking about modeling. If you've never, you know, learned about the Samware brothers, they're these German, all three of them are billionaires now. And they are, they founded something called Rocket Internet in Berlin. And all they do is copy American startups and they get the company they copied to buy them. It's nuts. They've copied, you know, Amazon. They've copied Pinterest. They copied Facebook. And all they did was they said, look, it's working in the US. I bet that'll work in Germany. And they started. And, you know, now most people will be paralyzed by fear. Oh, Facebook's going to kill me. But they move so fast and so aggressively modeling after what worked in another country that rather than getting this protracted legal battle, the people they were copying just bought them. And they're now each billionaires, you know, many times over. And it's just fascinating to me how entrepreneurs get so stuck in originality. Apple has never been original in its life in its existence ever. That was never the secret sauce of Apple. Apple is still innovative. Make no mistake. I mean, it is one of the, it will go down in history as one of the most important companies, you know, that, you know, which by the way, it wasn't that important, you know, not that long ago, 25 years ago. Um, but right now it, it has become one of the most important companies, you know, in human history, but it doesn't invent things. It understands network effect. It understands human psychology. It understands community. I mean, there's commercials. I mean, and, and no matter how many commercials they make, which, oh, by the way, they're all awesome. Samsung will never figure out how to crack that code because Samsung will literally lay out a commercial saying everything about Apple is old and just copies everything that Android does. And you think it's so awesome because you're in love with the iPhone and people will go, I hear you. And that does make sense. And I wish I had a back button on my iPhone, but you know what? I got blue text bubbles and that's awesome. <laughs> that's all I care about. And then my friends are going to peer pressure me if I don't. And I mean, it's genius. It is literally 
I, I don't say it as a negative. It's just incredible because they understand the power of human psychology and human sociology. And like, we're always trying to find ways to connect and be seen and be validated um, and not just pay for validation, which is now a stupid trend. But, you know, there is, you know, these really interesting opportunities for entrepreneurs to model even their own behavior and success off of others. And, you know, there's so many great podcasts like yours. There's so many great, you know, you know case studies and things to learn. You, know, you're, you have so much information to help you truncate your journey, um, take advantage of it. And, 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 but don't let it slow you down. You know, I think engineers sometimes, you know, make the worst entrepreneurs because they're, they're so purposeful. It's like one more feature, one more thing, one, you know, sometimes you just got to blow it wide open and, you know, build a plane on the way down. Yeah, man, that linear thought process will keep you stuck. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's uh, scary because you're like, yeah, you know, this is going to be so hard and who's going to want it and who's going to do this. And, you know, I mean, if you really stop and have these quiet moments where you think about these pain points and like what's going on and, you know, how, you know, don't be a solution searching for a problem, you know, really assess these kind of pain points in, in your life and, and what you're missing out on. And, and that's where the innovation comes, but kind of close a chapter on the modeling conversation. I always laugh about like, um, remember, uh, girls got wild. And it was like, you know, I, I remember as a kid, you think like, what better, you know, entrepreneurial journey than like Hugh Hefner? Like, how, how did he come up with this? It's so genius. And then, you know, you, well, you missed out on that because that was just a once in a lifetime, you know, opportunity to create a business around, you know, every man's fantasy or every woman's fantasy for that matter. Um, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, dude comes up with girls going wild, does it all over again. Like it wasn't that that was like a unique idea in time and place. He did it again. And then, you know, hell, going one step further, Pornhub and OnlyFans did it again. Like, you know, you can find what you're passionate about, whether it's sex or whether it's bean counting. And, you know, there's an opportunity for you to innovate in that space. I guarantee it. Right on. When it comes to angel investing, is this something that you typically look for as well as is a modeling component? That's a great question. Um, you know, it, this, this is anecdotal, but it's anecdotal because it's true. Um, I, I look at the people first. I assume that whatever you tell me is your pitch or your strategy that you're going to have to pivot. And so the, my question is in the back of my mind when you're pitching me is, are you capable of pivoting? Like, are you capable of seeing this through lawsuits, you know, founder fights? you know, harassment complaints, all the crap that every company goes through. And, you know, Steve Jobs talks about this all the time. You know, I, he was convinced that the only thing that separated successful entrepreneurs from unsuccessful entrepreneurs is the ability to persevere. It's perseverance. And, and you know, that is such an important component. So I really look at the people first. <clears throat> you know, what makes you special? Like, are you, you know... You always hear this, you know, are you, you know, leaders born or made? Um, I do think leaders are born. You know, you, you are, there's a reason why I say born leaders. Um, it doesn't mean you can't become a better leader. Um, but I have never in my life seen a manager become a leader. And, and, you know, unless you've been led, unless you've been a leader, you, you don't understand the, the nuances there. Um, but there is, there is something innate and natural and organic about born leadership 
And, you know, just, it's just people will follow you to the ends of the earth. And sometimes they don't even know why. Um, and it's very, you can't learn that. Like you just, you either are it or not. And when you're in the presence of it, you know it without even thinking about it. Um, and so I, I had someone, this isn't a pat on my back, man, but uh, you're, I had a key employee in my cybersecurity company quit mm-hmm. the other day. And he, he mentioned, and I do want to go back to what you were saying yeah, too, no, but this please. is so, this is so important for people who are listening, you know, and I still think that he made the wrong choice yeah. but in the process of that though, because it's, you're talking about the nuances between managers and leaders. And a lot of the companies that I look for to buy are led by, if you want to say led, but they're run by managers. Yeah. The owners are managers. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that was the case with how I inherited this dude, awesome individual. And he told me when, because I, as a CEO, I actually did, he wanted, he requested an exit interview with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and he was a brilliant guy. I mean, he, he could have been an officer in the public company, you know, but within six to 12 months from now, mm-hmm. freaking brilliant dude. But he comes to me and he goes, you know, I, I asked for this with you. And I even toyed around just saying, I have another job offer rather than just, doing what I did and saying, I'm, I'm leaving mm-hmm. to, to go pursue another opportunity, not in a bad way, but it was yeah. just something that he, that he wanted. He goes, and the reason I didn't just say, Hey, I have this offer is because I knew you would talk me into staying and I wouldn't know exactly why I was staying. And I'm like, well, thanks. I'm like, I'm happy you made the decision that you did because you you were self-aware enough to to understand that this is something that you truly wanted, you know, and that you you have been in the presence of managers before, but now you've been in the presence for six months with a leader and look at how it shaped you to help make this decision that you've wanted to make for the last six years. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, go after it, man. And then I'll see you back in six months. Okay. <laughs> I, I love it. It's so funny. I'm kind of so glad you, you, you said that story because like I have an even simpler version to kind of, you know, if, if, if and people can reflect on this and think about when they've been on, you know, the receiving end or done this themselves, you know, you're the guy you, you know, exit, you know, the guy who exited is also a leader, you know, don't get wrapped around the axle with the label of leader. Like leader doesn't mean you have to manage, you know, a thousand people. It doesn't mean you have to be on the cover of Forbes. You know, you can be a leader and, you know, have nothing underneath you, but two kids and, you know, a wife by your side and a dog, and you can still be a leader. So a leader is a label for a behavior that sometimes you don't even know you do. And I think that's even more important that it's just, you don't think anything of it. Like, I, I don't, I don't think anything of it leading by example. I don't think anything of it going all in. It's just, it's in my DNA and I can't exist any other way. And so people, people ask me about like leadership. Here's a good example. You're going to dinner and you want to pay. A manager will wait for the bill to come. And there might be a little hemming and hawing and maybe they want credit for paying the bill at that moment. Maybe they're still hoping that somebody will split it. You know, there's, there's this very uncomfortable nature. Once the bill comes a leader, the bill doesn't come. He's already handled it. You know, he, 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 he or she excuses himself from the table. 
goes to the restroom, grabs the waiter and says, like, here's my card. Like, I don't even want there to be any conversation or discussion about the bill when it comes. Just bring me, you know, bring me the check when it's done. Like, you know, just it's already it's already accounted for. Put 20 percent on the, on the card. It's already done. So when, you know, when the, when, the, when the meal is done and the other people at the table are like, all right, well, how should we, you know, chop up the bill? Like, what should we do? Let me pay. It's already done. Don't even worry about it. There's no out. There's no, there's no renegotiation. There's no hedging. It's like you already took care of it. You're a leader. Like it's a behavior. And so, you know, there's a, there's, there's always these like little examples where if you really cared, you would have done it. You would have just handled it. You're not looking for accolades. You, you want definitive binary outcomes. Like you either lead or you don't. You either pay for the check or you don't. Don't. Oh, I, I was going to pay. Uh, uh, if you wanted to pay, you would have paid. Just shut up. Move on. I'll pay. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll hit you up tomorrow. Yeah. Like, my bad. Like, I forgot my, I forgot money, but I'll, I'll get you tomorrow. Your manager. Go away. No joke, man. It- You're talking about setting the actions in place and the, it's, it's like developing the inertia ahead of time. So when that, that pivotal moment, this gets back to the angel investing too. So when the pivotal moment gets there, you already see, and you know that you're capable of pivoting in that moment because you've already set the inertia in place to handle that situation ahead of time. I see why you look for that, man, as as you're talking about this, you know, because that's it, that there is no conversation. It's like when you, when you face that adversity at some point, it's already taken care of. It's already diffused before you even get there because of the inertia that you've developed ahead of time. I love it. I'll tell you too, one, one of the other things, and then we'll move to, to, to product, but like, you know, I think that was the original impetus of the question. The other thing with people is I call it your walkaway factor. You know, what is your walkaway factor? Because like, if I'm going to invest in you, and, and this is interesting because there's two different thoughts. If I'm investing in you, I want to invest in leaders. You said something that I think most people won't pick up on. If I'm acquiring you, I love finding companies that are run by managers because they haven't realized their true potential. You know, they might, and a lot of those companies end up, you know, they might be a little bit distressed, especially during the pandemic. I can, I know what they have, but they don't know how to get what they have to the next level. Those make for great acquisition opportunities because you can get a lower price and then you can get a higher multiple once you give it the love that a real leader can give and the real resources that it deserves. Um, but. When I'm looking to invest, you know, that, that X factor, that leadership, um, that ability to pivot, the ability to be thoughtful and self-aware. And then what's your walkaway factor? You know, what have you put into this that makes it hard for you to walk away? I want, you know, I, I want you to have maxed out some credit cards and, you know, cashed out your parents' 401k. Like, you know, people will run through walls when they've got, you know, family members and friends looking at them going, dude, I'm, I'm taking a, a risk with you. You better not fuck me. Sorry, pardon my French. Uh, but that's, that's the real world. And so, you know, those people, they have a different gear. And, you know, they're, 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 those are leaders. Those are leaders where before you even approach me for money, You've already collected every dollar you can possibly find in your orbit. Because if you come to me and now I have one caveat to this. If you can play with the house's money, do it. So I'm going to tell you, I want you to have, you know, a very, you know, hard walkaway factor. And I want you to have cashed out your parents' 401k. But if you are so good 
and you have such an incredible opportunity and you never had to touch any of your own nest egg and your own money and people are throwing money at you like Mark Zuckerberg, good on you. That's awesome. And that you should pat yourself on the back. That's rare. But if you are that person, don't feel like you need to go, you know, cash out your, your, your savings. Um, if you can get money from other people because you're, you are leaders, you're so compelling and your opportunity is so big. Um, but I just find that people, stuff gets hard and, and yeah. people, we, you know, you hear, you hear it all the time in, in podcasts now, you know, but there is something to it. You know, we, we, we are softer as a generation. Um, you know, and I say generation, I don't really care about age. I'm saying right now, people are softer. They're smarter. They have, you know, a lot more access to technology, but there's just something about like, you know, when it gets hard, people quit and they go do something else or they complain and they whine. And it's just, you know, there, there's a, you got to have a stick with itness. You got to have a little chip on your shoulder that says like when the shit gets hard, you're like, I got this. Like, you're not going to tell me I can't do this. Like, let's go. Um, and so I look for that in people. There was a, an investor that I know, but I won't say who he is. Um, he used to say, I invest in people with mommy and daddy issues and that are likely on the spectrum because they will, they literally don't care about money. They just care about winning. And yeah. if I'm putting my limited partner money into, you know, an entrepreneur, I want somebody who's still driving, you know, their old beat up, you know, Honda Accord. And even though they're worth billions of dollars because they just want to win and they don't even care about the, the, the awards and they have, you know, daddy never loved them and, and mommy beat them. And, you know, they're, you know, slightly autistic and they're just, he's like, every time I've invested in people like that, the, the rewards are astronomical and I'm not being rude in any way. I'm just saying, you know, that was how he thought about people. He's like, I want somebody who just doesn't see the world like everyone else. And that kind of person will has ice water in their veins and they, they are singularly focused. I don't want them dating my daughter, but I <laughs> want them running my company. And so it, it, I always thought that was a very like aggressive you know, perspective. I don't know if I would go that far, um, but I always appreciate that he was so honest about it. And, and so, you know, people matter, how you present yourself matter, how much you go all in matter. Um, and that's what I look for. Even before I think about what are you doing? What's your product? What's your market size? You know, what's your traction? All of that. That's beautiful, man. I want to, I want to wrap this up with touching on the, the current state of cash availability in in the marketplace today where do you see things are at right now where do you see them going in the next six to 12 months <laughs> cash is no different than cancel culture let me tell you what i mean by that if you are popular and people like you you will not be canceled so if you find yourself being canceled it means people don't like you the Rock could be canceled 10 times over for any number of tweets videos comments and you know why nobody does because the dude prints money even when he has failures like black adam and he's kind of funny he's kind of likable got a couple cute little kids and he's marketable as hell and people like him and so people choose to ignore all the crazy things he said cash is only tight for people who are not investable doesn't mean you're not investable forever, but in this period of time, you are uninvestable. 
And so iterate your solution, iterate your approach, bring in new partners, um, because there will always be cash for opportunities that matter. People will find ways to invest in people who they believe in, that are commercializing products and solutions that the world needs. So if you run into the situation where you're going into meetings and they're like, hey, you know, we're tightening the belt, like we don't have money for you. They don't have money for you. They have money for somebody else because they are in the business of deploying capital. And a lot of these funds get their management fees based on deployed capital. So they're putting it somewhere. They're just not putting it with you. So that shouldn't dissuade you from what you're doing. It should just make you think, how can I change my approach? How can I become more likable? That's powerful, man. That's the best clip that I think I'm ever going to have on the show. <laughs> you know, from, from a from a business and entrepreneurship perspective, no joke. That, that's uh, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to take you out for whatever kind of dinner you want because it, yeah. I, I need to bestow upon you like the the entrepreneur clip of the year award for real. <laughs> I'll take it. That's, uh, it's, it's just break bread and have a drink with you. I'll take. <laughs> I don't deserve it, and I appreciate the, the the sentiment, but I will absolutely take you up on breaking bread and having a drink. You know, you're a special guy. Thank you, my man. I appreciate you coming on again. Absolutely. We got to keep it. We got to keep it going. And then I, I will get out to Florida or you got to come to Austin and we got to do the, we got to do the next one in person.